So today I want to play a little trivia. We're going to move on from Abraham today and we're going to jump a few people in our uh, series that we're in. Allie and I gave it a name this week if you saw that FBI thing. We, uh, we're, we've decided these are the fabulous biblical investigations. We're going to look at the lives of the people within the Bible. That, uh, and today, we, we, like I said, we're, we're, we're leaving Abraham, so we're moving to our next character, which was Joseph. And they're not characters. We, we say that often, characters, but that's really not what they are because these are real people. These are people that lived. These are people that they're important and they're written in the Bible and there's lots of things we can learn from them. And so first I want to start with who is Jacob? Can someone tell me who is Jacob? Does anybody know who Jacob was? Son of Isaac. Son of Isaac. Great. Perfect. Did he have a brother? Esau. So, and who was born first? Esau was born first, but who got the blessing? Jacob did. Okay. So who was, who was, do, how did Jacob get married or who were his wives? Does anybody know that one? Leah and, and Rachel. And he was tricked because he was in love with Rachel, but he was tricked. And so he had, he, Laban, his father-in-law tricked him and gave him Leah on the, his wedding night. And when he discovered that, he had to work seven more years, and then he was finally married to Rachel. And do we know who Rachel's children were? Joseph and Benjamin. That's right. So that's why we at where we come from, Joseph. So we're now we're up to Joseph. And does anybody know what Jacob's name was changed to? Israel. How many sons did Jacob have? Twelve. Can we put any of this together yet? Twelve tribes of Israel. One of his sons' name was Judah. We can follow that out. So just to kind of give you some history of how this all fits together. And who was Jacob's favorite son? Joseph. And what did, how did he show this? What did he give Joseph? Coat of many colors, this ornate robe. So now we've kind of bridged this gap from Abraham to Joseph. So we, there's, there's some stuff in between there, but we're, we're going with Joseph today. So how many of you have had a little brother or sister or have a little brother or sister? A few of you in the room. Did you like them? You did? Sometimes, yeah, John, that's, that's probably the more reality is sometimes. Sometimes we did. Did they ever tattle on you? Yes. Did they have reason to? Yes. Okay. Those are the answers. Well, Joseph was that little brother. Joseph was that brother. He was the tattletale. He was a rule follower, and he thought it was necessary to, to just always do the right thing. That's what he did, is he just did the right thing, and he tattled on people. And that's probably actually why his dad liked him so much, is because he had a, he had a built-in snitch in his family. He had this little brother, this son, and it was, he snitched on his older brothers and told, him, told his dad everything of what they were doing. And if you don't really believe me, you can look at, we'll look at verse 2 in chapter 37 of Genesis. It says, this is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And this is where we find out he's a snitch. It says, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now, because of this, his, his brother hated him. His brothers hated him. 
me and like him very much. And if we're not going to read the whole section because it's too long, but it, it goes on to say that Joseph loved, or Jacob loved Joseph more than he loved his other brothers. In fact, that's where the coat comes from. He made him this coat, this ornate robe, this coat of many colors. And verse 4 ends like this. It says, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Now, it doesn't tell us what his brothers were doing, but I'm, I'm going to lend to believe that it was, it was bad. It was something that must have been pretty bad. And I think Joseph, Jacob did it, probably t- taught Joseph about God. Joseph knew about God. He knew right from wrong. He knew what it was to follow God. He knew what it was to believe in God, to trust in God, to put his faith in God. So whatever it was these brothers were doing, it must be in direct violation of that because it must be bad enough that he's going, okay, this isn't just little family squabbles. Now you're dealing with God, so I'm going to go tattle on you. Now, growing up, I was that little brother too. I I had three older sisters. I was uh, the only boy. So I kind of had a, the double effect on that. I, could, I was, yeah, I probably was a little brat sometimes, and I did tattle on them. But something when you tattle on them, now, they're all older than me. It must be pretty, it's got to be pretty bad because there's a consequence that comes to me if I tattle on them because I know that I'm facing, they're going to beat me up. They're going to do things to me. They're going to hurt me. So I have to make sure that that, it must be pretty bad. So I'm thinking, Joseph, these, what these brothers were doing was pretty bad. But when I t- was going to tattle on my sisters, you know, maybe Joseph was in the same situation I, w- I was in, that it's got to be something that when doing the right thing, doing, doing what was right, telling on my, my sisters, Joseph telling on his brothers, Joseph telling things that, doing the right thing, because it's what God wants us to do. But... The consequences coming sometimes doesn't feel right. doesn't seem like that's right. But in the end, it really is, it's right. It's being right. Now, I think Joseph did. Like I said, he feared God. And his brothers was doing it just wasn't okay. So he, he told his dad, which his dad should be the one that's told because his dad was the head of the household. It was his job to carry out the discipline to his brothers, to give them the consequences, to give them guidance to his older brothers. But as a result of this, Joseph did the right thing, but he was hated for it. His brothers hated it for him. Now, I think Joseph also, he didn't really have great bedside manner. He, hasn't, he didn't learn tact. He didn't really quite figure that part out yet because he kind of added salt to the wound and he had these dreams. So Joseph has this dream that there's these bundles of grain and that 11 of them stood up and bowed down to his bundle of grain and his brothers were like, really, Joseph? And they, they hated him even more for this. And then Joseph had another dream and this time he felt like it was necessary to tell his brothers again and this time he's going to bring his dad into it. So this dream, there was a, this moon and the sun and 11 stars, and they all were bowing down to Joseph. So Joseph, like, why are you telling them this? Like, this isn't, you're just making it worse. But at this point, Jacob goes, Joseph, now come on. I appreciate you being a snitch. I appreciate you telling me all of these things. But 
are your mom and I really going to bow down to you? Now, you've drawn the line here enough. Don't, don't do that anymore. And I just don't think that, I don't think Joseph had the self-awareness of knowing when he should just not do what was right and, or maybe just keep his mouth quiet for a while. I, I think he believed that doing what was right, he, he just had this strong sense that I need to do what was right. But sometimes it ended up just not really feeling right because now his brothers hated him and has just got rebuked by his dad. Now these dreams, keep these dreams in mind. Keep these dreams, we're going to refer to them over the next several weeks and we're going to see how these dreams shape and, and how are an important part of Joseph's lives. But I want to continue on with the story. What we see Joseph doing, what was right again, but it just ends up, it doesn't seem like it's the right. So Jacob sends, because he's the snitch, his brothers are out tending the flocks, whatever flocking is. But so the brothers are flocking and Jacob wants to know what they're doing because, well, he probably, they haven't heard anything, so I think they're probably up to no good. So it tells us in Genesis 37, 14, it says, So he said to him, Joseph, this is Jacob talking, Go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flocks and bring word back to me. So like I said, that's code for they're up to no good. There's trouble going on, so I want to know what they're doing. So Joseph does the right thing. He obeys his father and he leaves and goes and checks on his brothers. Now his brothers see him coming off in a distance and they decide to kill him. I think what they're thinking is, is, you know what? If we get rid of Joseph, get rid of our problem, then we can do whatever we want to do, and we won't have somebody tattling on us all the time, and we can live the life we want to live, and we won't have this trouble anymore with our dad. So we see Joseph doing what was right, but now he's going to be killed for it. Well, that was the plan. That was the, their plan. They came up with this plan. And Reuben, his, one of his brothers, decided, you know, I don't, I don't really like that plan. So he decides, you know what? Hey, there's this cistern over here. Let's just capture him and let's throw him in the cistern and, until we figure out exactly what to do. Because Reuben thought, you know what? I'm going to just save him then later when my brothers aren't paying attention. I'm just going to take him out of the cistern and then I'm going to go back to my father and we're gonna, I'm going to return Joseph to, where, to, to my dad. Well, that's what they do. So they take him, throw him in the cistern, and they strip him of his robe, and then they go and they eat dinner. So I, I can't imagine this scene, though, that the little brother's off in the thing distance and he's kind of whining probably, okay, come on, guys, this, it's not funny anymore. Let me out. I'm cold. I'm hungry. Come on. I don't, I'm sorry. Let me out. And they're just eating, ignoring him. But maybe they're used to ignoring him. And then they see off in the distance, they see some traders coming along. And they go, I know, let's, in fact, this is Judah's plan. He goes and he says, let's, Let's sell him to these traders. Let's sell him. And then, then, you know what? We won't have blood on our hands. We won't have the consequences of actually killing our brother. We'll just sell him. And, and then we won't have the guilt of that. Well, so they do that. They, they send him off, sell him off. And then they have to, well, now I gotta, we got to go tell our dad. 
So they concoct this story. They, they have his robe, remember? So they rip his robe up. They kill a goat, dip it in blood, it's, and take it back to their dad. They bring it to Jacob, and Jacob's devastated. Because remember, this is his favorite son. So he, he goes into mourning and says, I'm going to mourn until the day I die. So Joseph was obeying his father. He's doing the right thing. Maybe he didn't need to be kind of a brat about it like he probably was, as big as he was. But he's doing his father's wishes, and his brothers were hating him. Wanted to kill him. And I just want to share a few verses out of the Bible of what, what, it, what the Bible tells us about hatred. Proverbs 10:12 tells us, Hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers over all wrongs. 1 John 3.13 says, So don't be surprised, dear brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. That if we follow God, that we follow our path, the path that God wants us, and not the world's. That, just be aware, the world sometimes might hate you. The world will hate you. Then our last one is 1 John 3.15. Anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. And you know the murderers don't have eternal life with, within them. Now, I've obviously never been murdered because I'm still up here. Never been exactly threatened or do that. But in high school, if you think back to high school days, remember in cafeteria when you'd grab your tray and you'd eat, you'd sit down at the table, and then you'd have to take your tray and go take it back and scrape your scraps in the, the garbage, which smelled really bad, and then throw your utensils in the stinky water. And it's just, it was kind of gross. Well... There was a group of, I'll just say they were bullies, that if they sat at your table that day and you were the chosen one, they would expect you to just take all of their trays and do that. Well, they sat at my table one day and I was the chosen one and I, what I thought was the right thing, did the right thing and refused to do it. Put mine away and they sat there or they got in trouble and had to do it and so guess who was hated and guess who they wanted to beat up. Well, that was me. The world hated me that day. So I was looking over my shoulders all day waiting for someone to come after me and punch me. I got, somehow I got out of it that day. And it uh, never happened. So these, these merchants take Joseph and they sell him to Potiphar in Egypt. Potiphar is one of Pharaoh's officials. Potiphar, so he's a slave now in his house. Potiphar starts to notice that Anything Joseph does, God blesses it. So Joseph, or Potiphar says, puts Joseph in charge of everything except for the food that he eats. And so Potiphar sees that God is blessing Joseph and he's acknowledging that it's Joseph's God that's blessing him. So Joseph, Potiphar is blessed in his house and he's blessed in his field. Now something else about Joseph, we got to remember he's a young guy right now. He's, he's, he's young. He's probably very well built. He's a good-looking guy. Maybe long, kind of wavy, curly hair. And Potiphar's wife takes notice of this. Potiphar's wife's probably lonely. Potiphar's probably gone quite a bit. So she continues day after day to ask Joseph to come to bed with her, sleep with her. Joseph refuses. He's, he refuses to do it. In fact, this is what it says in verse 9. It says, No one is greater in the house than I am. 
My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then can I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? Now, Potiphar's wife doesn't give up. She's not going to give up. So she's day after day after day. She keeps asking him, but then she comes up with a plan. She sends all the servants out of the house, and she bring, calls Joseph in. And she's probably sitting by her bedroom or standing by her bedroom trying to be seductive. Joseph comes by her. She grabs Joseph, tries to drag him into the bedroom, and Joseph flees. And as he flees, he leaves his, robe, his, his garment behind, so she's got it in his hand. Well, he leaves the house. He's running, and she screams. The other servants come back, and she, she makes up this story of accuses Joseph of something he didn't do. She waits for Potiphar to come home, and then when he comes home, she tells him this story of how this young Jewish slave of yours tried to rape me. And she, Potiphar's angry. So Potiphar doesn't kill Joseph, but he throws him in prison. Joseph's falsely accused of some, something that he was doing the right thing, but he's thrown in prison, and it just doesn't seem right for doing the right thing. And the thing is, is when he's thrown in prison, the warden starts to see the same thing Potiphar saw, that whatever Joseph did, God was blessing. So the warden put Joseph in charge of everything. Everything was blessed. The warden kicks his feet up, backs and relaxes, and Joseph runs the prison for him. In fact, this is how the chapter ends. It says, the warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. So we see Joseph doing the right thing, but accused of doing the wrong thing. Now, did Joseph know the Ten Commandments? It's a trick question. I see some head shaking. Moses wasn't alive yet, so no, he didn't know the Ten Commandments. But like I said, I, I, Joseph knew what was wrong and right. He knew what God's values were. He knew that coveting his master's wife, doing something like that was wrong. He feared God. He knew that marriage was a was between a one man and one woman that he knew he just knew that going to going to bed with potiphar's wife was wrong and we see joseph running from potiphar's house these are the words out of second timothy 2 22 it says run from everything that stimulates youthful lust instead pursue righteous living faithfulness love and peace joseph did the right thing now, I'm sure Potiphar's wife did everything within her power to make herself attractive to Joseph, to try to entice him, to try to lure him in. And also remember, some of you are young right now, but when you're younger, Joseph's young. His hormones are raging. He's an attractive boy. I'm sure he takes notice that girls are looking at him. He's, he has to have some self-control, and he does. He doesn't give in to the power of the flesh. He controls that, and he does exactly what God wants him to do. He runs from it. He runs away. He, he runs away, and he finds himself of doing, being accused of exactly what he was doing that was right, what he was being accused for. 
He gets, still gets accused for it, even if he runs away and does the right thing. You know, some of us, I remember in grade school, being accused of doing something I didn't do and still being punished for it just because, I don't know, it's because of association of, of doing that. I don't, I don't understand that, but remember those times when you're just accused of something that you didn't do and you were doing the right thing. That's what Joseph was in. Now, I want us to look at some pictures of some people that were accused of things, that did the right thing, that they're hated for it. They were even accused of something they didn't do. And eventually, they were even killed for it. So, if we can put the first picture up there. It's a picture of Abraham Lincoln. You've heard me talk about him before. As many of you know, Abraham Lincoln is the president. He was the president during the Civil War, and he did the right thing. He's the president that, that abolished slavery. This is the president did the right thing. He was accused of things, accused of false things that, he, this, that wasn't part of his character, wasn't why he did the things that he did. And if most of us remember, he was assassinated for it. He was killed for it. The next picture, if you want to show that one, Nadine. You guys know this one. Martin Luther King Jr. Again, did the right thing. Stood up and did the right thing. In fact, this week, just to prepare for this, I listened to the, the speech, I Had a Dream. It's a good speech. It's a great speech. Someone, I, I think... I think in this time, this age that we're in, it's, it's something that worth, it's, it, we should go back and listen to that. But he was accused of the wrong things. He was doing the right thing, and he was accused of the things. And in fact, conspiracy theories, but there's some things that the FBI like accused him of things that just weren't true. That wasn't where his heart, that wasn't his motive, that wasn't anything it was. He did the right thing. And as many of you know, once again, he was killed for it. He died for doing the right thing. Next picture. Picture of Jesus. Just another guy. Did the right thing. Did the right thing. He was hated for it. He's hated by a lot of people. He's still hated by a lot of people. He's accused of doing things that he didn't do. And he was killed for it, wasn't he? And it just doesn't seem right, though, if you really think about it, does it? The Son of God is, is going to be killed? But if it really was the right thing, wasn't it? Here's Jesus. Jesus came to earth, lived with us, was fully human, experienced all of the things that we experienced. But when he's talking to people, he would say things like he was, he was his, that his father was God, that he was the son of God. These remarks made people just hate him, just despised him. They hated who he was. And Jesus healed people. But somehow healing people, you, you didn't heal them the right way. You either healed them on the Sabbath or you healed the wrong person or you just, you did things that just didn't make sense. And there's some people that hated him for it. And he loved people. He loved everybody. 
And he was hated for it because he was loving the wrong people. He talked to the Samaritan woman, loved her. Talked to the prostitute, the lady with the committing adultery, loved these people. And then he even forgave people of their sins. He was hated for it. And he was associating with sinners. He went to dinner with these sinners. He went to dinner with the tax collectors. Let a prostitute wash his feet with her hair. And we even see him touching a leper. Just unheard of. You don't do those things. Doing the right thing. And then at one point he was even accused because he was healing people. He was accused, well, you can heal people because you have the power of the devil in you. It's the spirit of the devil. Accused of doing something that's completely wrong. Completely not true. Accused of creating plans or expectations of him to overthrow the Roman government. Just accused of a lot of things and hated. And then ultimately, like we all know, put to death on a cross. So we see Jesus doing what was right. Loving people, healing people, forgiving people. Then we see him and we see him dying on a cross. A person that does all that for us doesn't seem, just doesn't seem right, does it? But in the end, that was the right thing. It was the right thing for the Son of God to be beaten and die on the cross. And I want us to look at the words out of 1 Peter 2, starting in verse 11. It'll be on your screen. It says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that even though they accuse you of doing wrong, that they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Joseph was living amongst the Egyptians. Potiphar and the warden, he was doing good things. He saw, they saw that in him. They saw that the blessing that God was giving Joseph. And, and they didn't give Joseph the credit, and Joseph didn't give Joseph the credit. Joseph gave God the credit, and they saw that it was Joseph's God that was blessing all of this. So we're seeing the, the pagans, the people that don't know, know God, through our lives, can see God through us. Let's look at verse 18 and jump down to there. It says, slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. I don't think being sold by your brothers, being thrown in a cistern, being thrown in jail probably didn't, wasn't very comfortable, wasn't very much fun. Joseph was doing what was right. Joseph was conscious of God and he, he went through some suffering. We don't, and he accepted it. He made the most of it and he accepted it. And, you know, really, if you think about it, if we do something wrong, there's something that we do and we're we get caught and we're punished for it. 
that's, you can kind of accept that because you know what, you're right, I deserve that because I, I did do that wrong. But here's Joseph, he did what was right. He was doing the right thing. And he suffered for it. He had things, terrible things happen in his life. It just doesn't seem right sometimes. Let's continue. It says, to this you are called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Jesus suffered. Jesus endured all of it. He took it all upon himself. Jesus did the right thing. Jesus did the right thing by dying on the cross. By dying on the cross and by doing that, he took all of our sins upon himself. He took all of that heaped all of that to give us forgiveness for our sins, to give us life. Through my human eyes, that just doesn't seem right. That the Son of God would do that. Or at least it certainly doesn't seem fair that he would do that. But it was the right thing to do. It was the right thing for him to, it was, it was what he was supposed to do. By Jesus doing what was right by taking our sins, by granting us that forgiveness. Even though we didn't deserve that, that act gave us life, gave us eternal life. So that act was the right thing to do. So as we end, I'm going to leave you this question. Is there something that God's asking you to do right now? world might say it doesn't look that does that's not the right thing to do it might not feel right that it's right but but in your your gut in your heart in your mind you know it really is the right thing to do and i want us to look at james 4 17 it says if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it it is sin for them so what right thing is god asking you to do what right thing is God asking you to do? You know, maybe there's something in your life that you just know, I need to not do that anymore. Some sort of addiction, some sort of something in our lives that we know that's not, that's not the way, what, that's not the right thing that God wants me to do. Maybe there's a job change. Maybe there's, you're in a job and you just know that the right thing to do, that God wants me somewhere else. Maybe there's something there. Maybe you're in an unhealthy relationship and you know the right thing to do is to, to end this relationship or put some boundaries, put, some, put some, something on that because this just isn't a good relationship. This isn't the relationship God wants. Maybe we have a bunch of attitudes towards our family or to our boss or to one another. Or maybe we just have attitudes to authority or to someone in the government that we know that we need to change, make a change, that it's the right thing to do. Or maybe we're in a situation where you know there's something going on and I need to step up and I need to say something. And I know there's going to be consequences. 
I know that it's gonna, I'm going to receive pain or I'm going to receive something for this. But I, this just goes against God's will, and I, just, I have to step up and say something. I have to step up and do something. Like those people I showed you that were killed. You have to do it because it's the right thing to do. And then you put that in there with James, that verse in James, when you look at that and you know it's the right thing to do, you know you're supposed to do that. But if I don't do it, I'm sinning. Now, life doesn't seem fair sometimes. Life, life, there's troubles in life. But do we stop doing what was right? I didn't see Joseph stop doing it. I don't see Joseph when he was in the cistern, when he was sold, when he was in jail. I didn't see him stop doing what was right. He could have gave up, could have stopped. Jesus had all the power. He was God. He had all the power to stop it, to not do that, what was right. But he didn't. Both Joseph, both Jesus did the right thing. So I'm asking, can we? Can we do the right thing? Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for the examples of your life, Lord, that examples in the Bible, Lord, that are people that, that did the right thing, that uh, even in the midst of knowing that there's going to be hardships, knowing that, that it might hurt, that they did the right thing. Just, just, Lord, speak to us this week. Just help us to, to know what the right thing is to do. For some of us in this room, maybe the right thing is to, to just start a relationship with you. Maybe the right thing is to, to put all of those other things aside and go, you know what, the, Jesus died for me gave me forgiveness on the cross, gives me life, gives me eternal life through the cross. And maybe the right thing right now is to say, Lord, I surrender. I surrender my life to you and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it to you. There's somebody in this room right now that wants to do that, do that right thing. If you want to just raise your hand and look at me and say, yes, I see you in the back. Just say, yes, Lord, I want to see you. I see you. Say, yes, Lord. I'm doing the right thing. Lord, we just celebrate these people in the room right now, Lord. We know that the angels are rejoicing and for the, these people that have now entered into your relationship with you. We um, thank you for that. And Lord, like I said, just this week, make us aware of, of, of your presence. And I just pray that we just do the right thing. In your name, amen. Would you stand with us? We'll finish with a short song here, if you would, please.